0: Hi, friends. Welcome to Bar of the Conference. I'm your host, Derek Scott III. Today's episode is with Reverend Andy Emanuel. Andy is an ordained elder. In the Southern Nigeria Annual Conference where he serves as a local church pastor and conference secretary. He's also engaged in work to unify the African voice within our church for the sake of the UMC's continued witness. He's married and he and his wife have two boys and one girl. Andy loves the United Methodist Church. In offering a non-U.S. perspective he speaks to some of the core reasons why we are a global connection. In this episode, Andy talks about the wins and the challenges of ministry in Nigeria, but he also speaks with great hope on the future of our denomination and the ways that he sees the African portion of our church playing a critical role. Due to tech issues, this episode is a bit shorter than I would have liked, but even that was a bit of a lesson For me as Andy participated in the entire interview from his own cell phone. This was a great conversation with lots of insights. So I think you're gonna need that notebook, that choice beverage, and you might even need to be prepared to share this episode with others. But let's get ready to hear from Andy and Maggie. Reverend Andy Emmanuel, how are you doing today?
1: I am doing well. How are you doing too?
0: I am good, sir. Uh, it is twelve forty three in the afternoon where I am. What time is it where you are right now? It
1: is uh, 543, oh, five forty three or five five forty three in uh, in Jalingo, Taraba State, here in Nigeria.
0: Yeah, you know, this I, I I know that I have been in. The same room with you, and definitely in some Zoom rooms with you. Um, Right. But I'm wondering if you could give me just uh, a little bit of your journey of becoming a follower of Jesus and specifically becoming a United Methodist Christian, just the ways that God's provenient grace has worked in your life, just a little bit of your
1: story. Thank you very much again for this wonderful question. I am also very grateful for this opportunity to be with you in this uh, conversation. I, I, I have been uh, a United Methodist all my life. I love the United Methodist Church and I've done a lot of great works for the United Methodist Church. As I've told you earlier on, I have served in different capacity uh, in this church. Uh, I have been a youth pastor for uh, uh, more than six years. I have been a youth director in my annual conference for six years, and I've also served the last position I served before if I vacate that position. I have served as the administrative assistant to the Bishop of the United Methodist Church in Nigeria. That was between 2018 and, and 2021. How did we get to this position? As I said earlier on, I was born and brought up in the United Methodist Church. I grew up in a Christian family. Uh, both of my parents are United Methodists. So I grew up to discover that I was already United Methodist before I was born. So my father happens to be a local evangelist, a church planter. In fact, one of the church that I grew up in that is the United Methodist Church in Uh, Nookai. That church was started in my family. So my father helped start that church. And that is my first, that is the first place where I grew up as a United Methodist. So I am very, very grateful because of this. and, And I can share this anywhere that I grew up in a Christian family And my father is a United Methodist. My mother is a United Methodist. The church that I grew up in was started in my family. So that that gave me a strong United Methodist background. So when when I grew up as a child, um, I went to a United Methodist church uh, uh, primary school. I went to a United Methodist uh, uh, related primary school. After graduating from United Methodist Related Promise, I also went to United Methodist High School. So you can see all this chain of connection with the United Methodist Church. So when I graduated from high school, uh, uh, I began to feel a deep sense of calling to ministry. So I, uh, maybe that one would be, uh, I will discuss that with you later on, but Actually, uh, uh,
0: I, I, I think we can go there. Let's, let's talk about your call okay. to ministry.
1: Yeah. Okay, okay. United Methodist Church has been the integral part of my life. So after my graduation from the high school, I, I, I begin to feel that I was called to ministry. This calling, the beginning of this calling happens during my high school days. During my high school days, I was nominated and elected as the leader of Christian Fellowship, Christian Fellowship, Student Fellowship. This is a religious institution within secondary school. It's called, here in Nigeria, we call it FC, FCS. That's Fellowship of Christian Students. So, I happens to be the leader of that fellowship in my high school. From that Point people were already referring to me as a pastor. So even when I was in the high school, I have different encounter where I lead Bible studies, I pray for people, and I did a lot of counseling. So that makes my colleague and other people, my teachers begin to call me a pastor. So after my graduation from out of uh, high school, My parents were thinking that I was going to take a legal profession. So as as somebody that was born into a family of 10, I was the eldest son of my father. I have like nine siblings, so I was the eldest among them. So my parents were looking forward to me to set the pattern for my siblings to follow. So they were thinking I was going to choose a legal profession Either to become an attorney or something related to that, but God was preparing something different for me. Uh, after graduation from the high school, this sense of calling to ministry became very clear because I get enrolled into local church activities. I was already by the time I got graduate in high school. I was already leading the Youth and Young Adult Fellowship of my own local church. I was already the youth, uh, a young adult president where I led the young people in Bible studies. I led them also in prayer meetings. I also organized drama classes for them. And I was already doing those things. And people were seeing the evidence and of the grace of God in my life. So I was enrolled, I I talked to my pastor uh, at that moment about enrolling into one of the United Methodist Seminary, which is um, Banyam Theological Seminary in Bamboo, where uh, United Methodist clergy are trained. That was where I got admission to uh, study diploma in theology and a diploma in Christian ministry and Diploma in Religious Education. So I went into this seminary for a period of four years. Those were my formidable years of preparing myself to be a pastor in the United Methodist Church. I spent four years at the seminary trying to study about God, trying to build my career, my my calling as a pastor, trying to prepare myself for the challenge of the ministry that I was going to come ahead. So uh, those were my formidable years. I graduated from Banyam Theological Seminary. Upon graduation, I was appointed as a pastor in one of the local church in my community. That is Yelwa Abari United Methodist Church. That was the first church I served. As a pastor, I served this church for a period of two years. After which, I was recommended again to go for further studies. So, I went back to school again. After two to three years of service in this local church, I went back to Reform Theological Seminary where I took another degree in theology. So, I I upon completion of my degree at the Reformed Theological Seminary, I came back again and got reappointed at the United Methodist Church in sabongari as an assistant pastor. So I was assisting the district superintendent as a pastor as of that moment, and, and my two years of ministry were very fruitful because while I was an associate pastor at the United Methodist Church in Jalingo, people have witnessed the grace of God and the power of God in their lives. We, we went into ministry of healing, we went into deliverance ministry, we went into ministry of prayer, we went into a ministry of Bible studies and an outreach to communities that were not reached. So those experiences at that church gave a great testimony of my own work as a pastor that prompted Bishop Ato F. Kula to invite me for an appointment in one of the biggest United Methodist Church in Nigeria, which is the Jatutu Memorial Cathedral in Jalingo. This is the biggest United Methodist Church in a whole nation. So Bishop Atukulas of that time invited me to come uh, to serve as a pastor in that very church. That was when he first ordained me into ministry. So I was, I was ordained and given uh, the leadership mantle of the biggest United Methodist Church in Nigeria. And, and, and my assignment at that moment, because at that particular moment, the church was in so much uh, crisis, and 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 as somebody that is coming from a different tribe, and most of these tribes were uh, crisis, were as a result of uh, uh, tribalism. Uh, tribalism is something that can be compared with the racism in the United States. So uh, 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 I was appointed to bring together different tribal factions into a church, into a ministry. So that was the primary assignment that I was assigned to do to help Bishop Arthur F. do at the biggest United Methodist Church in, in Nigeria. So my years of service at the United Methodist Cathedral was fruitful and, 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 and we're able to unite people. So from that particular time, I was realizing that God was calling me to a ministry of unity. God was, was putting in that in my heart to lead people to a ministry of unity. I, 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 I That becomes the focus of my preaching and that becomes the focus of my Bible studies and that every preaching that I preach, every message that I pass will have to, to go through the umbrella of Christ's one body that they may be one as I and the Father are one. So that has been part of the work that I have done in uh, in the cathedral and, 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 and upon such great work I've done, I was recommended again to go for further studies in the United States. I was the Bishop F. F. Kula uh, recommended me to go for a master's degree at Wesley Theological Seminary in Washington, DC. Uh, I was happy. That was the first time I traveled to the United States. So I was at Wesley Theological Seminary for Masters of Theological Studies, which was great. Wesley community was very great for me because there at Wesley, that that was the exact community that I was looking for. I was looking for a, a place where I will advance my ministry in a setting that is diverse, in a background that is diverse, where I will meet people from different parts of the world, people with, from different backgrounds, people from, with different experience, and most especially people that are different from me. And that was exactly what I found at Wesley Theological Seminary. So during those years that I was studying at Wesley, I, 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 it was really, really wonderful because at Wesley, I came across a community of believers, community, beloved community, that, that was very engaging. So I have learned a lot. I met a lot of friends at Wesley and I met uh, a, a lot of uh, partners at Wesley. It was there when I was at Wesley, I was also in partnership with the Iowa Annual Conference. So Bishop, Bishop Kula now recommended me for ordination at the Iowa Annual Conference. So I was ordained. Iowa annual conference is one of my second annual conference. So because I was ordained an elder at the Iowa annual conference in the United States, that was so awesome. That was great. That was the most happiest moment of my life. So upon graduation, I I have every opportunity to continue my ministry in the United States. Um, But I declined. I wanted to come back home. I wanted to come back to Africa because I want to work for the church in Nigeria. I want to work for the United Methodist Church in Africa. This dream of uniting the church becomes very paramount in my ministry that I have to leave the United States and come back home in order to work with the church in Nigeria. So when I got back home uh, uh, um, and, uh, 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 from the United States, uh, I was appointed as a uh, youth director. I worked with young people. Uh, during my work with young people, I was able to advance the youth ministry to another level, whereby we did a lot of community engaging work with young people. We brought young people together and teach them how to do community engagement. Teach them how to engage their community in different uh, services that can bring development in their. That was really great. During that time, the young the young people ministry of the United Methodist Church has grown to certain level. So that uh, from there, I was appointed again as the administrative assistant to the bishop. So it has been a, a great experience for me uh, working for the United Methodist Church in Nigeria. Whoa, Andy. I mean, just
0: what an incredible journey. And I'm really oh grateful my, that you were willing I to share were, that.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, we, U.S. United Methodists, um, we don't know as much as we should about the church outside the U.S. Mm. Um, and so I'm wondering if you could give us just a little bit of the history of the United Methodist Church in Nigeria.
1: Yeah, uh, that is something that the, the, the church in America need to understand about the church in Nigeria and other African countries. I have lived in the United States and, and, and I, have, I have experienced the way people in America look at the church in Africa. One thing that our brothers and sisters in America must understand is that Africa is not one country. Africa is a continent with different countries.
0: Yes, yes. And
1: the experience, our religious experience across Africa is not the same. Mm -hmm. So what you see in Nigeria might definitely be different from what you see in South Africa, in Zimbabwe, in Central Africa, in, in, uh, in other parts of Africa as well. So mm-hmm. this is very important for people to understand ministry in the context of Africa. Many times I have been in conversation with people in America, so they are rating Africa as one. So uh, they, they might be thinking that Africa is one. So Africa is certainly not one. Africa is a vast continent with different experiences like the North America and, and, and other part of the world as well. So, uh, uh, the United let me talk particularly to the United Methodist Church in Nigeria. The journey for the United Methodist Church in Nigeria has been awesome. The story of the United Methodist Church in Nigeria, I call it is the story of the work of the Holy Spirit in action. The story of the work of the Holy Spirit in action. Wow. I have written that in my book. In my book, the story of the United Methodist Church in Nigeria, I have outlined the journey so far. Despite all these challenges, the United Methodist Church have a story that deserves to be heard by the whole world. The United Methodist Church becomes a provisional annual conference. The United Methodist Church in Nigeria becomes a provisional annual conference of the United Methodist Church in, 19, uh, 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 in 1984 or so. But we becomes, uh, 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 we, we becomes an annual conference or a episcopal area in 1992 when the first bishop was elected. That was Bishop Doné Peter de Bali. During that time from 1992 to 2000, the United Methodist Church has maintained an annual growth rate of 25%. Yeah. so 25%. Yes. Every year, we witness an annual growth rate in all level of church ministry. We have witnessed a growth of 25%. For example, in 1992, when we become an Episcopal area, the church has only six districts. But between 1992 and 2002, the church district have grown from six to 18. And then in 1992, when we we became an Episcopal area, the church has only uh, 72 pastors But between 1992 and 2002, the number of people who have gone into ministry have risen from 72 to 182. In another good example is that between 1992 and 2002, in 1992, we have uh, a total number of 83 churches. But between 1992 and 2002, these churches have grown from 82 to 396 as of 2002. So this growth have been maintained annually from, 2000 and, uh, from 1992 up to 2002. Mm. Um, United Methodist Church in Nigeria has four annual conferences. We have the Southern Nigeria Anon Conference, the Central Nigeria Anon Conference, the Northern Nigeria Anon Conference, and the Northeast Nigeria Anon Conference. And we have a total number of districts that has reached up to 56. And again, our number of local churches have increased tremendously that presently we have 1,563 churches within the four Episcopal area of the United Methodist Church in Nigeria. So this, this growth, we have maintained it a lot of challenges. And one thing about the United Methodist Church in Nigeria is that the church has been growing despite the challenges that the church has been facing. As I told you earlier on, there have been constant challenges that the church has been experiencing most especially from 2002 up to this moment. But one thing that we are very grateful to God about it, despite these challenges, the ministry work is still ongoing. Despite these challenges, the growth is still happening. Despite these challenges, local churches are doing evangelism and are deeply into ministry. So this is something that we have been very grateful to God about it. And, and we want our brothers and sisters in America to understand one thing. There are things that our brothers and sisters in America should understand. Number one thing, they should understand the kind of growth that we have in Nigeria. The church in Nigeria is growing tremendously. And ministry work is still going. Despite challenges, I will talk about a little bit about the challenges later on. But one thing that excites us about is, despite our challenges, we are still growing. So uh, 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 we are growing. There is this need for more partnership for United Methodist Church in Nigeria. So I have talked about this even when I was at Wesley Theological Seminary that we need more partners in the United States. The United Methodist Church District in Nigeria are craving to be in partnership with our brothers, our siblings in the United States. So we want to call on our brothers and sisters in America to see the possibility of getting into partnership with the church in Nigeria. This partnership can be around education because we have a lot of educational institution The need for education here in Nigeria is still tremendous. There are a lot of children that are not in school. So there are places that the government have not established schools. The church is coming in now to establish primary schools and secondary schools to offer education for children. So if we can have conferences in the United States that can partner with us in the area of education, that will be very clear. We want each district to establish a primary or a secondary school. So that will offer education for people, for children in the rural areas. Apart from education, we want to invest in healthcare. The, the, the way education is important, so also the healthcare. The health system infrastructure in Nigeria is dilapidated. There are many communities in our local places where our church are located that do not have access to healthcare. The closest hospital or the closest clinic that they can find is over 15 miles away. So they they, they will have to trek or walk or or journey more than than 15 to 20 miles before they can get the nearest medical facility. So if we have conferences in the United States that can partner with our local church to establish clinic, to establish hospital in order to provide uh, uh, healthcare for people, that would be a great ministry work. And we have also the area of evangelism. Nigeria is a fertile land for evangelism. We have over 200 million people now in this country. And this is a potential area for the United States Church to expand. So we are looking for conferences that will partner with us to promote the gospel of Jesus Christ to reach those that have not been reached. So these are areas, there are other areas as well, but I've always, I also, only cited these three areas as an example so that we, you understand the kind of call we are sending to our brothers and sisters in America. So this is something that we need them to know about our church growth.
0: Andy, thank you for sharing so much, particularly around the challenges. Um, And I I wanna ask a question that may seem like not related, it may seem like it's not related to what all that you just said, but I I think it actually will be important as we are So right. we're digesting the challenges, you spent time in the U.S. You spent time in U.S. United Methodism. Um, you know, you were or- ordained in one of yeah. our in your conferences here. What are some of the differences in the way we do church in the United States as compared to the way church happens? In the United Methodist Church in Nigeria.
1: Thank you. That's a good question. I, I, I have experienced both worship both in church here in Nigeria, and I can summarize that differences under three, uh, uh, three major headings. Number mm-hmm. one, differences in worship. Differences in worship. There is a striking difference about the way uh, around the way we worship here in in Nigeria and the way American church worship. The first difference you see is in worship attendance. Most of the churches in America are not, the attendance is not large and big in number. But here in Nigeria, many of our churches are filled up to the capacity, to the extent that many people are hanging outside and listening to what is happening in the church. So in terms of membership and terms of number of people that are regularly attending worship, you get to understand that here in Nigeria, we have more people that come to church every Sunday than in America. And generally in the pattern of worship, here our worship are more of a traditional kind of worship. People are not definitely into this kind of paper reading kind of worship. So uh, 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 we came to church and allowed the Holy Spirit to do whatever uh, the Holy Spirit pleases. So sometimes we start worship in nine o'clock. Uh, traditional worship starts in nine o'clock and will go down down to three p.m. three p.m. in the afternoon. So here in Nigeria, we spend more time in the church than the way our brothers and sisters in America do. Because here, there are a lot of things that happens in our worship, which is different in America. You get to understand that we have different groups that sing in the church here. We have You have men fellowship that will be singing on Sunday. You have choir that will be singing on Sunday. You have women fellowship that will be singing on Sunday. You have youth group that will sing. So everyone is bringing one or two things during worship in here in Nigeria, unlike in America, whereby the pastor or one or two people will be the only people that will just lead the worship from the beginning to the end. The rest of you in the pulpit, you will just sing, you will just read scripture and that's it. So this is, this is how uh, different our worship is in, 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 in Nigeria and America. And worship here are more of charismatic, are more of some Pentecostal kind of uh, influence than in America. Because here people pray loud, they pray and, uh, and freely and allow the Holy Spirit to take control of everything, which is different whereby some traditional churches in the U.S., you just sit quiet and read your own prayer. People don't read prayer here. When you write your prayer and read them here, people don't take that such kind of prayer seriously because they want you to say your prayer. They want you to bring them out from you. So that is a different, that is something different uh, from, that is something American is something here. And two, when we come in times of administration, the American church is more organized in times of church administration than, than the Nigerian church. Here, everything happens off head. You don't like document everything, but in times of administration, the American church has advanced in technology, that everything in church has been technology has been, technology has taken, uh, has been, has is contributing a lot in the life of the church, which is different from what is happening here in Nigeria. And I see due process in the governance of annual conferences in the governance of of district conferences, in the governance of charges, I see a lot of differences whereby people try to follow due process, people try to uh, dispense justice, people try to see how uh, everybody is brought on the same page before a decision is taken, which is commendable. For me, that is great and commendable. But here... Our, most of our crises are as a result of people not following due process. People not for either the bishop is not following what the discipline said, or the DS is not doing what the discipline said, or the pastor in, in, in church, in his church, is not doing what the discipline said. So, this has been some of the issues that have been uh, creating conflicts here in Nigeria and other parts of Africa as well. So, this has been two areas where we see differences in the way the church is run in America and the way church is run in Nigeria. Wow. That's so, so helpful, Andy. You're welcome.
0: Let's take a quick break. Uh, when the traditional plan passed at the special session of General Conference in 2019, it definitely had, um, mixed a mixed response in the US, and that might not actually be the most accurate word. Um, uh, there was, by and large a, a, a sense of rejection in the U.S. portion of the United Methodist Church across jurisdictions to the passing of the traditional plan. And I'm curious, you know, our assumption is that our church throughout the continent of Africa is more traditional, particularly in, and again, this is the assumption that I have as a U.S. United Methodist, um, particularly when we begin to talk about issues related to human sexuality, the church throughout the continent of Africa is much more traditional in those conversations. That's our assumption. But I I would love for you to kind of walk me through a little bit of how, how the church in Nigeria received the news that the traditional plan is what passed that special session.
1: Yeah, thank you very much for that question. You know, I, I have highlighted already from the, uh, my explanation on the way church happens in America and the way church happens in Africa and Nigeria. Uh, the truth is that uh, uh, people in Africa, people in Nigeria want to do church. They want to be United Methodists. They want to do their own church within their own context. All this noise about traditionalists, all these noise about homosexuality, that Africa doesn't want homosexuality, Africa doesn't, well, those noises are brought under an agenda. I have been to the 2019 General Conference, even before the 2019 General Conference, I have been to the 2016 General Conference and 2012 General Conference in Tampa, Florida, most of this agenda about human sexuality that most often comes from Africa are covered under a US-centric agenda, what I call a US-centric agenda. I have argued this severally among my colleagues that United Methodist Church is more and more US-centric. Anytime we meet at the general conference, the conversation are dominated by American issues, American problems. Coming back to 2019 General Conference, how I wish we should have found a ways of resolving that dilemma, of making the United Methodist Church a U.S. church, even at a gathering that's supposed to be international in nature. That I have argued this with, a lot of my colleagues, when I was a student at Wesley, here in Nigeria and all over Africa, I said, we have to do something that will make most of the conversation in the general conference more global than just concentrating on issues that has to do with America. When the traditional plan was passed in 2000. In nineteen, here in Africa, nobody knows about the traditional plan. When you go back to the local church and talk to people about traditional plan, they don't know it. Mm. It will take you like one week to explain to my mother, who is born, a, who is uh, who has been United Methodist for the for the past fifty years, what traditional plan means. That has nothing to do with her. Mm. That that thing is is. It, it, she wouldn't ask you a question, what do you mean traditional plan? Here in Africa, when you talk about something traditional, people are thinking of African traditional religion, which is not Christianity. So when the general conference passes the traditional plan, and nobody was happy in Africa. To be honest, nobody was happy. The only people that would tell them that are, they're happy, those were general conference delegates who went to general conference and we're, we're giving some incentive. We're giving some packages. And we're taught how to vote and where to vote. Those were the people that will be telling you that Africa was happy that there was confusion at the 2009 General Conference that of the traditional plan. During when I sat at the floor of the 2019 uh, uh, General Conference, 2019 John Conference in St. Louis, I was praying. I said, God, help us to find a ground that every one of us in this room will go back happy. That was my prayer. But when the whole drama happened and everybody was sad, I was crying, many of us were not happy. We have been praying for a ground whereby every one of us will belong. So people have been using the name of Africa to promote an agenda. People mm. have, been, have been using the name of African delegates. I have told many people that Africa has come of age now. So we have been telling people that uh, uh, Africa will, not, will no longer be used the way we have been used before. Before General Conference, you will invite our delegates to a retreat center And there you tell them where to sit and how to vote. Africa now has come of age. So we are no longer following that path again. So the traditional plan is a U.S.-centric agenda that uses Africa. This, for me, is neocolonialism. Is another way that the American church is trying to colonize Africa. And coming back to the, the, the idea of regionalization, I am happy when the Connectional Table, the Christmas Covenant theme, brought this idea of regionalization. As a General Conference delegate, I am happy about that. And I have been working towards Passage of the, 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 the regionalization agenda at the, at the next general conference. I have a team of annual conference delegates that I've been working with them. Just last Saturday, we called uh, 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 a meeting of all leaders in Nigeria, annual conference delegate, West Africa Central Conference delegate, general conference delegate, where we talked about the need for us to understand the regionalization thing. And let me tell you, the response was overwhelming. Mm. So uh, regionalization has been something that before the 2020-19 General Conference, we have been praying for. Mm. And as an African, as somebody from Nigeria, I am praying that regionalization should come to pass. And I'm working towards that because I see a lot of solutions to our problem in this regionalization legislation. Mm-hmm. We want this church to be truly global. Yeah. We want this to be, to be removed from this American, uh, American idea and agenda that dominates the General Conference. We want to do the General Conference differently. If we meet at the General Conference, can we experience something different from what we have been experiencing before? That is what I'm looking for and I have seen that coming with the regionalization. So to tell you many of us here in Nigeria without missing word are supporting this regionalization. And when it comes to annual conference, when it passes in the general conference and when it comes for constitutional rectification in Nigeria, I am giving you this word that this will pass. Wow. Andy, I, I love your your statement that
0: and and i hopefully i'm going to say this correctly that africa has come of age is that what i heard yes. you say
1: absolutely uh, absolutely
0: and i i would i would just say that from my perspective um i wonder you know to agree with you but also to say that maybe the us church the us portion of the church has um, awoken to the gift that is the church in Africa in the way that we haven't before. Right. Um, So I've heard of a few different organizing groups that have emerged um, in the last few years and one even in the last couple of months and I was wondering yeah. if you could maybe give us a little bit of uh, a picture of what some of that organizing on the continent uh, has looked like and is looking like particularly the organizing towards continuing the United Methodist Church's witness on the African continent.
1: Thank you very much. Uh, like the way it is in the United States, there are different coalition group, advocacy groups, that you can find in different annual conferences in Nigeria, in in America. So Africa, as I told you, Africa has come of age now. That is why you are seeing these coalition groups are coming up. I'm telling you, more are even coming. Americans have different advocacy and coalition groups. You can see that in different annual conferences in America. Now, Africa has come of age. I have told you this before, and I'll keep saying it, that we have come of age. That is why you are seeing this advocacy group are coming. You should expect more. More are on the way coming. And that's good. That's good, because uh, uh, this advocacy group are coming up for good. They are going to reshape the way Africa thinks about church and how we will do church in the future. First, it was only an African initiative. And African initiative have taken the position of kinship, and have deviated from the real original reason why the African initiative was, was created in the first place. When African initiative was created, the whole idea about bringing the African initiative was to help African general conference delegates to understand the legislative procedures during the general conference and to help them participate equally with their counterparts in Asia, America, and other part of the world. But gradually, African initiative was deviating from the real reason why it was initiated. African initiative becomes a tool a, 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 in, the, in the hands of many traditional groups in America, which is contrary to the reason why African Initiative was instituted. To the extent that African Initiative have given itself to a group like the Wesleyan Covenant Association, a group like the Good News, who virtually dictate everything that happens within African Initiative, including the finances, including the legislation, including where to vote and how to vote, all these, were controlled by Wesleyan Covenant Association and the good news. And I would be honest with you, that was not the reason why the African Initiative was instituted. And that makes African Initiative to assume the position of not only an advocacy group, but a key maker in Africa. So they try to go into speaking with the voice of people that do not authorize them to speak on their behalf. So African initiative was assuming that whatever she says, that is the voice of Africans. Gradually, we came to discover that African initiative was deviating from the real reason why it was initiated. Then we brought up this idea of the African voice of unity. African voice of unity as a group, is a coalition of people who want to unite the africa against separation against division against anything that will call for discontinuity of the united methodist church in africa so as i am the co- i am the founder of the african voice of unity so what we do now, we are voices of Africa. We are the true voice, voices of the United Methodist Church in Africa. Our, all, our central agenda is to make sure that the United Methodist Church in Africa is sustained beyond 2024, beyond the next general conference, irrespective of whatever happens at the next general conference. So we are a coalition group that is self-supportive, self-funding. We do not take, we do not get any grant funding from any church or any group within the United States. We are mm. self-supporting. We are self-funding. We do our own things within the African Voice of Unity without any external influence. Mm. And this is what we tell our African brothers. We are working towards the unity of the church in Africa as well as a sustainable United Methodist Church in Africa. So we, don't, we, we are not being controlled by any coalition group in the United States. Hmm. And now we have another group again that is called United Methodist African Forum. This is a welcome idea. i supposed to be in Johannesburg. Uh, 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 when they met in Johannesburg. But my visa was delayed, so my travel was also uh, cancelled as well. So I I, I am very happy that the United Methodist African Forum is here. I am looking for some kind of partnership. The African Voice of Unity and the United Methodist African Forum will partner together to a certain level in order to ensure that we work for the unity of the United Methodist Church in Africa. I have seen the vision and the mission of the United Methodist African Forum, and I agree with most of it. Anything that will push us towards unity, anything that will ensure a one United Methodist beyond the next General Conference is something that we are supporting. So the African United Methodist African Forum is a welcome idea and we are going to work together, the African Voice of Unity and the United Methodist uh, 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 African Forum in order to ensure that this regional plan is passed at the next general conference. We have some disagreement with the the African initiative. What are those disagreements? The way African initiatives are run, we we don't agree with it. We are forming a coalition group that is purely African, independent of any coalition group in America. So anything that will influence the way we vote, how we vote, where we sit at the general conference, like the way African initiative has become, I think we are going to stand in contrast with that. So these three coalition groups are now in Africa, African Initiative, African Voice of Unity, and now the United Methodist African Forum. And these are the groups that are going to reshape the future of the United Methodist Church and what happens at the next general conference as it relates to the United Methodist Church in Africa, or African delegates. Thank you.
0: Wow. Andy, I still have appreciated our time today. I'm. I'm just curious. Um. What is your hope for the United Methodist Church going forward?
1: Yeah, it is I, I. I. have seen the United Methodist Church future is very bright. I have. I'm feeling it within my spirit. The United Methodist Church. Good days are coming, so I am hoping that the United Methodist Church in Africa, particularly, will be united. I am hoping to see a United Church in Africa where we all agree to stay in the United Methodist Church. They are brought in their broad light, so where we all agree to stay in a United Methodist Church. So that is why I am working towards the regionalization plan. I am speaking about it, I'm preaching about it in in my congregation, in among my delegation. So because I want to see a United Methodist Church that is united, and I want to see that our church accept this regionalization as a possible way of moving us forward. I have, this has have been my prayer, and I'm working towards that as well. So my expectation for the 2024 General Conference is to see the passage of the regional plan and my expectation for the future after that is to see a General Conference that is different from what we have been experiencing before. So I am looking forward to remaining in the United Methodist Church, being in unity and in ministry with many who will remain in the United Methodist Church. I want my African brothers and sisters. I have been advocating, the African Voice of Unity, uh, 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 a group that I chair, has been advocating for this in West Africa, in Central Africa, and also in the Congo. So I am calling on my African United Methodist, wherever you are, United Methodist Church is is God's gift to us. So we need to put our hands together to build this church up. We should avoid every agenda that is going to separate us. We should avoid every agenda that is going to divide us. We should avoid any agenda that is going to cause uh, confusion and division among us africa is a one big family so we pray that we are going to remain united methodists all over africa that is my expectation after the 2024 general conference reverend andy emmanuel i'm just grateful for
0: your story and your journey your witness, your resilience. Um, Thank you. and And I'm grateful that we are not just siblings in the faith, but we are siblings in the same church. We are a part of the same denomination. I am grateful for that and praying that that continues. So. Amen, amen. Andy, thank you so much for today. I really appreciate it.
1: You are most welcome.
0: We hope you enjoyed the episode. Bar of the Conference is produced by the team at Wesley's Revival, a ministry of Studio Wesley. Subscribe to this show on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or Google platforms so you don't miss a single episode. Thanks for joining us, and see you next time.